Welcome back, everybody. I'm Dr. Brandon Holland, the Uplift Athletic Trainer on behalf of Dr. Donita Valentine, the Unapologetic AT. We are back this week with Dr. Candice Lacayo. Last week, she broke down the evolution of athletic training education, and this week, she is going to get into the expectations and roles of clinical students and uh, what we like to call now preceptors that used to be ACIs. Let's get right into it. Okay. Uh, Donnie, do you have any questions? Um, how do you, okay. So we, I just said biopsychosocial aspects. So how do you like, I know you said that, uh, you kind of take into consideration, like, um, if they worked with a male before, um, now they're going to work with a female and, um, you know, if they want to work in a clinic as an athletic trainer, you try to match them up with, but initially like when, uh, when you're first getting someone to go out there, like how do you determine what's the best match between a student and a preceptor? Mm-hmm. So honestly, the very first practicum experience, there's really not a lot of knowledge that it will be a good match because the first time that I assign students, I haven't met those students yet. I haven't had them in my class yet. So after that first session with me as an instructor, um, then it gets a little bit easier to know that, Oh, I think these two people will really get along. They have this in common. Um, They have this interest in common. So it's really about getting to know the people and getting to know, um, getting to know both students and preceptors. So, you know, we've had preceptors that have worked with us for a long time, and I can kind of see like, oh, this person is going to be a really good professional mentor for this student because of this. So, honestly, that first practicum experience, it's I'm kind of going in blind. I, I don't really know, um, you know, much about the students and what what to expect. But once I kind of get to know the students and I know the preceptors, then I can kind of make more informed matches. Hmm. I also sent out okay. a survey to our students. So um, in that survey, I asked them things like, what are your career goals? Is there anything that's, you know, important for me to know about you as I'm making this placement? So that gives me a little bit of information, but again, um, it really comes from getting to know the students and then getting to know the preceptors that have been with us. Okay, cool. So uh, still, you know, a lot, a lot of thought still and a lot of consideration, even in that, that blind, that first blind setup. (laughs) Yes. And sometimes it works out great. (laughs) Sometimes it doesn't. And I always tell students, you know, even if it wasn't a good experience, there's something that you can learn from that as well. You you can still take something away from the experience that you didn't enjoy. Right. That's an absolute definite yes. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So should we dig into the role of the preceptor? Yeah. Let's go. Okay, so uh, what types of places may serve as clinical sites? So are there are there any types of places that are disqualified, or is it that as long as they have uh, someone who's licensed and certified and working with a patient population that you can dig in? That's really it. I mean, you kind of nailed it. Any place that athletic trainers work, so we're everywhere. 
secondary schools, colleges and universities, the military, industry, public service, so like with police and fire departments. So any place that has an athletic trainer working with a physically active population, um, they they that place can be a clinical site. Um, I wouldn't say places are disqualified necessarily, but um, there are some things that would be red flags for me not to send a student. Um, for example, if someone doesn't want students there, obviously we can't make them take students. Right. Um, so that's not a place I would send a student. Um, also, we have to have agreements in place with every clinical site that we send students to. So if for some reason the place is unwilling to enter an agreement with us, then that's not going to be a good place because we've got to have that on file. Um, there have been instances where the, the site was willing to enter into the agreement, but then for whatever reason, there was some disagreement about, you know, the terms and conditions. And so sometimes it, it falls by the wayside. But generally, as long as we have an athletic trainer who's certified and licensed and, and working with an active patient population, we, we welcome them as a clinical site. And I'm always looking for new sites, new places, and new types of sites. Cool. So, if you're out there... I have, I, I have a question. Okay, go ahead. Sure. I have... Um, what, what are some misconceptions about being a preceptor? Yes. This is a good question. <laughs> so, I would say from the student perspective, the misconception is, oh, they're just doing it for the money. And that's just not true because not every program pays preceptors to do that. And the ones that do, they're, they're not really paying them what they're worth as, with their knowledge and their experience. So a lot of times students will ask me, well, are these, do these people want to be preceptors or are they just doing it because, you know, they're getting money to do it? Like, why, why would a person choose to be a preceptor? And it's really, it goes back to, you know, the passion for the profession and wanting to, to give back to the profession. Um, I think from a preceptor standpoint, they think, you know, it's going to be a person in my space all day, um, you know, just something else that I have to do. But I think over time, people who have been with us for a while now, they know that the students come in and it's more than just, you know, kind of a shadow with you all the time. Like the students actually become a part of that environment. So um, it becomes their home for the semester and they become like a second set of hands. They become a second set of eyes. Um, they become help, but more than just, you know, I'm here to do all the grunt work that nobody wants to do. They become a part of that setting. They, the student athletes, the patients start to look for them um, as part of the, the family. So I think it really, it works, it works well for students and for preceptors. There's some benefits for everybody. Yeah. I think um, a lot of times, like there were a couple of times that I did turn down the opportunity to be a preceptor, but it was um, because my situation in my, like um, the when my school was being remodeled, it just wasn't yet safe. Like <laughs> um, I was still there, um, but uh, I knew there was going to be a lot of, a lot, a lot of grunt work that I was going to have to do. And I just didn't feel like a student would get a good um, idea of what it was like to be an athletic. I really felt like they would not want to be an athletic trainer after that, <laughs> going through that experience. 
So, because um, I, I, I had to question myself, like, do I want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that, um, for me, that those, you know, those are things that I think about. Like, I, I try to think going in, you know, like when I get that email, I, I try to assess, like, is this going to mm-hmm. be a good, because sometimes my school, Sometimes we have a lot of sports and sometimes we, and when we were going, when we were approaching that remodel phase, we kind of fell off a little bit. We lost enrollment and things like that. But um, yeah, I think that was one of my biggest things. Like I didn't feel like the site was going to be safe and I just didn't feel like Mm -hmm. they were going to get a true um, feel for what it was like being a secondary school athletic trainer. I'm really glad you brought that up as a clinical education coordinator. I so appreciate and respect when a preceptor just says, this is not going to be a good semester for me. And I don't even need to know why, really. I would rather a potential preceptor say, no, I can't do it, than to say, yes, I can do it. And then the student comes and it ends up being a bad experience for both. Like you said, like a student might come and say, I don't want to do this. But it really was based on the circumstances at that time. And any other day, they probably would have had a fantastic experience there. So I, I really appreciate when preceptors are honest and say, yeah, no, it's not going to be a good time this semester. <laughs> I'm lucky. I always yeah. have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blessed. Yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> so um, if you could dig into the services that a, a program should expect to be able to provide um as far as the what what, is, what should a preceptor be able to provide, and also maybe some do's and don'ts for for preceptors. Mm-hmm. Sure. So number one, they've got to be willing to work with students. So again, it's more than just oh, the student is coming, and now I've got you know someone to do all the things that I don't want to do. There's education involved. So a preceptor has to provide opportunities for that student. Um, they've got to help them learn. They've got to be prepared to challenge them. And then sometimes the student needs remediation. So that's where the preceptor comes in. So the preceptor is the one who is with the student day in and day out. Um, I talked earlier about how you're learning something in class that morning and then you're at the clinical site that afternoon. They were in class probably for an hour, 15 minutes, you know, maybe three hours at most. But then they're at their clinical site maybe from 2 to 8 p.m. So it's really the preceptor that's connecting the dots for them. So just being willing to provide educational opportunities for them, being able to give them feedback, that's also really important. So not just teaching them skills or watching them practice skills, but being able to give them input on how they're doing, how they're performing with those particular skills. I would say my number one do for preceptors is to remember that you were a student once. So, um, be patient with your student. Think about some things from people that helped you learn along the way or maybe that didn't help you learn along the way. So, like, real quick, what was something that a former, you know, preceptor or someone who helped you, what was something good that they did that helped you learn? Mr. Z, what's something that Mr. Z did that helped you learn? <laughs> when he left me that day in the clinic. <laughs> like, all right, so I hope you can swim. putting you on the spot. Yeah. Giving you the opportunity to, you know, be in charge and have to make decisions on your own. So 
trying to recreate those same mm-hmm. opportunities for you know maybe not going home to eat dinner now in 2021, <laughs> but giving them opportunities mm-hmm. to make decisions on their own, like to be in charge. Right, don't and micromanage. Then, yes, don't micromanage. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So it's really all about facilitating that experience for the student. Um, also, include them in things that you're working on. So um, whether it's patient care, if it's documentation, whatever it is. So one thing I like to remind preceptors is, you know, we want the students to see the nuts and bolts, but we also want them to see the things that aren't as exciting. So they need to know going in, hey, sometimes you're going to have to do paperwork or you're going to have to put notes in or you're going to have to wipe down tables in the athletic training room like we want them to see everything so everything that you can expose them to expose them to it and then as far as don't um again don't feel pressured to take a student so if you know it's not going to be um a good experience for them that semester definitely you know feel free to say i don't think it's going to be a good time um, also, don't be afraid to be brutally honest with them about the feedback. So this is really the time for students to make mistakes. And as a preceptor, you're their safety net. So you have a, a certification and a license. You're not going to do anything um, that's going to put your livelihood in jeopardy. This is the time for you to let your student make just enough of a mistake that they can learn from those opportunities and be able to take away, you know, key points to remember for the next time that they're faced with that challenge. And then if you do have a situation with a student and it, you know, it escalates past the point of I've given feedback, we've done remediation, you know, I've done all these problem solving strategies and things still aren't working out. It's, it's okay. If you have to reach out to the the clinical education coordinator um, to the program director, et cetera, to, to, you know, try to work together to come up with a solution. What I don't want is for preceptors to struggle through the semester um, and then get to the end or even worse, like a year down the road and say, oh, remember that student? That student sucks. Like tell the clinical education uh-huh. coordinator when you're in the middle of it so that you can try to come up to a resolution before it's too late. That's good advice. Yes, Very good indeed. advice. I, I think uh, it's it that that's important to remember, like that passion and the desire that we had when we were students ourselves. And I just I remember uh, one situation. I'm pretty sure it was probably one of your um, students. Um, this is a good thing that happened. Well, it was a good thing, but it was I scary. Was thinking, uh-oh. <laughs> uh oh. No, it um we were having um there was a middle school football game going on at my school at my high school. And um, since it was like a championship game, there was another athletic trainer there and her student. And so we know all of our students. So the student, that student, particular student knew me. You know, we had met and chatted for a while. But something happened inside the school in the gym with um, uh, it was supposed to just be a basketball meeting. But of course, some basketballs appeared and they started playing basketball. Um, and some type of something erupted and spilled out, in, you know, um, outside. And uh, this, there's a student who I had never met before, but apparently went to my school um, and was trying to play basketball. He was just, somebody said something to him in the gym and he was just going berserk, like just went, banan- you know, just was just having a moment. And I was like, oh, my goodness, because I had all these middle school kids out here on the field. And then, like, um, it was 
um, one of my coworkers, she came over and then her student, like, because I'm trying to keep all the kids away from this one because he was just out of control. And I'm trying to keep everyone away from him, you know, and trying to keep him from hurting anyone. And the George Mason student was just like, going to step in and like, no, because I was, you know, he was trying to protect me. And I was like, no, no, baby, you, you get back. No, you, 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 your student, you definitely need to take like, like 27 steps back. <laughs> you know, and he's like, he's like, no. And he's like trying to reason with, I was like, this, this young man over, he's beyond reason. So I just need for you just get the babies, get the rest of the babies mm-hmm. and you a baby too. All y'all just go back. <laughs> you know, but he really, that was curated like and I'm trying to figure out like how to I knew there was a police officer in the um in the parking lot and I just couldn't get his attention to come over and then one of a larger basketball player finally came and just I didn't want it to happen this way but there was going to be absolutely nothing I was going to be able to do with this this student who had just lost it and I remember it was our biggest basketball player and he just tackled him like grabbed him and just held him I was like you you got him you, you, <laughs> you good for a second? Like you got him? Like you got don't, him? Don't and I'm like, I ran. You gonna you gonna be all right? Like, cause he's real, cause he's a big, you know. He so, but we hand we took care of. It. But I was just, I went to the student later on. And I was like, thank you so much. I was like, you know, I'm so like, thank you for you know trying to step in. He was like, no, he shouldn't have been. I was like, yeah, but he was, you know, that was a teaching moment. Like he was unbalanced and beyond reason and there was nothing anybody was going to be able to say to him to talk him down you know I was like but I so appreciate you you know trying to but yeah the student like he was just like no I just wanted to look out for you and and you know but you know that passion and that desire is always there and it's 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 so good to see so I usually always uh, for the most part have a good time with our students also yeah, I remember that actually, because um, you emailed me after to say that that student has stepped in to try to protect you. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was so, I was so afraid like something was gonna happen to to some to, and I was just like, please no, not tonight, not any not night, right, <laughs> Wow, but you know what? That's an experience that that kid wasn't gonna get in the classroom. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's why I love the clinic because you just you can't predict it. That was your office that day. Your office was a was a melee that day. Not necessarily a melee, but it was it, it was exciting. Yeah, and it yeah, it's not too uncommon for me, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> for him, you know, I'm sure. But he was so calm and so cool. Like, like, no, Brent, man, come on, man. You know, come on. He's like going right up to him, like trying to have a conversation. I'm like, no, <laughs> yes, save yourself. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, um, I have kind of a tough question for you, uh, Candice, because a, a friend of mine, oh, um, asked me a while ago, and um, he said you're a preceptor for for Mason. I said, yeah. He said you like it. I said, yeah. And he he asked me like what I got out of it. Like, what do you get out of it? And I think the answer I gave him was I, what I get out of it is I love teaching. I love the profession. I love being an advocate for the profession. And I think there aren't very many ways that we can more effectively advocate for our profession and making more 
competent and compassionate clinicians that's going to, that are going to go out there and eventually put their hands on people. But, um, I really didn't know how to articulate it. And, um, I didn't know if he was looking for something else like that. I got out of, cause like you said, we don't do it for the money. So, um, mm-hmm. if someone were to come up to you and ask you, like, I would be a preceptor, but what's in it for me? What would, what would be your response to him? Mm-hmm. Well, first I would jokingly say you get a warm, fuzzy feeling from molding the professionals of the future, <laughs> um, which some people probably do get that warm, fuzzy, but really it's a way to give back to the profession. And also I think the number one thing is that today's students are your future colleagues. So don't you want them to be prepared? Don't you want them, want them to be the very best? Um, there are some other perks specifically at Mason, and I'm sure there are other programs um, try to find ways to, you know, pay their preceptors back. Um, since again, you don't get, we can't pay you what you're worth in money. But one of the things that we do is we offer conferences and workshops that are worth continuing education units. Our preceptors get to come to those when they're sponsored by our unit. Um, our preceptors get to come to those for free and you get CEUs for attending those. So um, we try to find ways that we can, you know, show our appreciation that don't necessarily um, include monetary. I mean, I wish we could pay all of our preceptors. Just write you a big check every semester. Um, but that's not realistic. So we try to find smaller ways to show that we appreciate having you. Um, we give year out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think really it goes back to that being a part of the profession Someone paves the way for you, and now as a preceptor, you're you're paying it back, you're paying it forward, you're paving the way for someone else, and that someone might be working beside you one day um, in your same facility. We've actually had several preceptor-student pairings where that student ended up, you know, as that preceptor's colleague in the future. So um, I think that's really cool. I think it speaks volumes about both the preceptor and the student that they wanted to work together. Um, in the future. So, um, you know, just making a way for someone after you and then potentially preparing a future colleague. That's fun that you mentioned that because, um, well, not necessarily from being at my clinical site, but I currently work with two people that I taught when I was an adjunct professor at George Mason. And that's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Wow. And it makes me feel. So how does one become a preceptor? Get stalked by me. No. <laughs> um, if someone was interested and they didn't already have an invitation, they could certainly contact um, the clinical education coordinator at the local college or university that has an accredited athletic training program. Um, but a lot of times you will be found. <laughs> like I said, I will just walk up and meet people um, at conferences and ask them, have you been a preceptor before? Are you interested in being a preceptor? Um, But as a preceptor, that's also a way for you to find opportunities to do that. So if if you're attending a conference or a workshop, you can ask around um, and look for programs that need preceptors, which is every program because we always need preceptors. So there is no shortage of need. The shortage is usually finding the professionals who are willing to be preceptors. So um, network, ask people, email people. Or just wait for me to find you. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Okay. So, um, how about we get into the role of students now? 
if you're a student and you're listening yeah. to this podcast, you should be listening to this podcast. You get extra credit. Oh. But you can't apply to any classes. You oh, just wow. get extra credit in life. I was going to say, who's what? <laughs> <laughs> At what no. university? No, no, no. I just totally made Somewhere. that up. Somewhere. And, um, <laughs> but um, if you listen to this podcast, um, we want to, from an expert, now you'll get to hear what should you should be ready to put out when you go to your site. Okay, so this will be great information mm-hmm. for you. So, um, yes. what, what, so, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Finish the question. <laughs> I was just going to say, what are the general expectations uh, for athletic training students at clinical sites? General expectations. So my very first thing is always make that good first impression because you never get a second chance to make a first impression. So making sure that your initial contact to your preceptor is very professional, um, very clear about who you are. It's like you're emailing a supervisor for the first time. And then once you've made that initial contact and you've set up your meeting or your schedule or what have you, showing up on time, looking the part, so being dressed professionally, whatever that means for your particular program, being ready to learn. So a lot of times students will show up to that initial, well, not my students, because my students are prepared, but they will show (laughs) up to that initial meeting with their preceptor and they'll come back and say, oh, I didn't know that that person was going to want me to do stuff that day or I didn't know that they wanted me to start that day so you may not know the preceptor may just say hey why don't you come in for a meet and greet I would go to that meet and greet as if that was my first day as if I was starting the practicum experience on that first day so being dressed being ready if there's anything that you need to take with you supplies making sure that you have your supplies um something else that I like to recommend for students to do is to take your syllabus or if you have it in your head or whatever, some kind of idea to be able to share with your preceptor what coursework you already had. So your preceptor has an idea of what you already know, what you're working on, what you still have yet to learn. Um, If you want to share information about previous practicum experiences, that's always a good thing too. And then be prepared to talk about your strengths and weaknesses. So you know, these are things that I feel I'm really good at. I probably don't need to spend a, a ton of time on this, but these are the areas where I need to improve. I know that I need help with this. I know that I haven't had enough exposure to this particular thing. So then your preceptor can set up um, realistic opportunities for you. And once that will be beneficial. So I think we tend to focus on the things that we already know. So I know when I was a student, I would read the same or or study the same things over and over again. It's like I feel comfortable studying that because I already know it was really I needed to spend time on the things that I didn't know. So being willing to be honest and vulnerable with your preceptor about the things that you actually need to work on. Um, And then I think just, you know, going there with that enthusiasm and that passion and, and being ready to have a good time, even if it's not what your first choice was, even if it's not the type of setting that you think you want to work in, just going there open-minded and being, you know, ready for whatever opportunities come from that. Okay. Being honest and vulnerable. That's, that's deep. And looking the part, I remember, I, I think I met one of my students, I think one day, on the day I was changing the golf cart batteries and, and the, Battery acid had ate through my t-shirt and I was, oh, like, no. I was like, oh, 
That was my first day. That's how we met. <laughs> I was like, I don't always, I don't always look like this, but see, just it, what happened was, I was working hard. I was working hard. <laughs> this is a part of. Sometimes you have to change golf cart batteries, yeah. and this is what happens. Don't, don't let the um, fluid get on you because it is acid and it will eat through your clothes. Hmm. You're on the back of church. I did. But I okay. I was like, why I was like, why I put it on right now anyway, I'm not done. So right, right. <laughs> But uh, write this down. It's not a competency, but it should be. So so you could just add it at the end. You learned this today, how to change golf cart better. <laughs> <laughs> That's something to put on the C V may need this skill again. Exactly. <laughs> Oh yeah! By the way, I never I knew I was going to need that skill. Boom! So now they know. Um, and uh, if you don't know, now you know. There you go. Now you they know. take six. <laughs> they take six, not just one. And they weigh they weigh about seventy pounds a piece. Oh wow! Oh wow! So you was muscling <laughs> up that day. Uh, I muscle up every day, but I was really muscling up that day. <laughs> That's why Extra the, all of that F45 <laughs> training comes into play. Hey. Hey. <laughs> yes. Uh, welcome to the gun show. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I know this varies from, from uh, program to program, but in general, how do students go about fulfilling their uh, educational requirements at their clinical sites? What are the things that they have yeah. to have to execute? So usually there's a certain number of hours associated with the rotation. Um, and then there's going to be some type of skill analysis or evaluation that takes place. And again, it varies depending on what institution they're at, what course they're taking, what level student they're, um, what level the student is. But generally there's something that they're supposed to be working on, some kind of content that's specific to that particular rotation. So, for example, um, our students who are going to clinics, like clinics where athletic trainers are working, physical therapy clinics, you know, physicians clinics, what have you, there's going to be some component where they're working on therapeutic intervention. So, at Mason, it's tied to whatever the course content is for that semester. Um, but there at Mason, they're getting an actual grade for going to their practicum experience. So um, the hours are important, but really we want them to master the content of whatever they're working on in that practicum course. So again, right now you have a professional who's supervising you, who's helping you. At some point, you're going to be on your own as a professional. And we want to make sure that our students can say, oh, I practiced that. I went over that with my preceptor and not just, well, I got... 2,000 hours, but I never had an opportunity to do this. So um, we really want them to master the content before they finish their program. So there's some hours, but there's also an assessment piece. Right. Okay. So on that same note, like what, what are some of the do's and don'ts that you would uh, give your students? Do's and don'ts for clinical students. So I would say do's are, again, be on time, to be early is to be on time, to be on time, to be late, to be late is to be left. So just be early. Um, come with an open mind and come prepared. So 
sometimes your preceptor will ask you questions that you may not know the answer on Monday, which is fine. But on Tuesday, you had better come with that answer that they asked you on Monday. You're not going to ask me a second time and I don't know what the answer is. So I'm just coming prepared for whatever the day may bring. Also, um, there's a thing that I like to say to my students in our first class, and that is, what's the difference between a contribution and an investment? And someone usually says, oh, you know, a contribution is when you give like a donation or you give something and you leave it, you don't expect anything back. The investment is when you, you put something in, but you expect to get something back in return. And so my do for students is you have to make a decision. Do you want your time at your clinical site to be a contribution or do you want it to be an investment? And whichever one you choose is fine. It's personal. But if you think about it, the investment, you're going to get something back. So, you know, you could go to your clinical site, show up a minute before you have to be there every time and leave right when your, your time is up every day. Or you could go, you know, and get the most of it, maximize the opportunity. So I put in my five hours today, but there is something that's happening that I've never seen before or a patient has come in when it's time for me to go with an injury or a condition that I've never had an opportunity to see up close. So are you going to leave because it's eight o'clock or are you going to stick around for the extra few minutes and get to see something that you haven't seen before? So making that very personal decision and then don't, um, don't complain to your fellow students about your preceptor. Um, and what I mean by that is there are going to be times when you're frustrated about the experience and I get that you can talk to a friend, um, you know, someone that you trust, but what I wouldn't do is bad mouth a specific preceptor to a bunch of people like, Oh my gosh, Dr. Holland is so this, he sold that, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we, we ask our preceptors not to do that about our students. And we ask our students not to do that about our preceptors. So um, don't bad mouth your preceptor again, you could be working with that person someday or you could be working for that person someday. Um, and then the same advice that I give to preceptors about not waiting until the last minute if there's a problem. As a student, if a problem is coming up, you need to talk to your preceptor first. Then you need to talk to the clinical education coordinator. And then if, you know, you can't work it out individually, then perhaps we need to have a conversation with the three of us. But the important thing is don't wait until, you know, it's the end of the semester and you've struggled all along and didn't say anything. So speak up. Don't keep that to yourself. So go get help. And then um, don't don't take that experience for granted. You only get a few of them and then you're a professional working in the field. So make the most of it. That is great advice. Very good advice. Thanks. I try. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So there's a lot you put in there. I don't think, I think you covered a lot in my next question. Um, yeah. So do you, um, do you have any tips that students might be able to, to take advantage of in order to improve themselves through their clinical education or clinical experiences? Ask questions, ask questions, communicate, um, tell your preceptor when there are things that you want to work um, work on. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think as a preceptor, do you like when students come to you with initiative like, hey, if we have time, I'd really like to work on this, or I saw you doing this yesterday. Could you explain to me a little bit more about that? You I, guys I love that. that. I absolutely I love, love that. It. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Oh, good. 
because that's what I've been telling students. So it's not just all on the preceptor to, you know, kind of be cruise director for students, but you've got to take some responsibility and accountability for your own learning as well. So if there are, you know, places where things are a little bit quiet and you have some downtime, that's an opportunity for you to ask your preceptor about something that you don't understand or something that you want to go over. So, you know, being an active participant in their learning, um, again, asking questions, just question everything, but in a respectful way. So not, you know, I, I would never have done that. Why were you doing that? But, hey, I saw you doing this. I've never seen that before. Can you explain to me why you were doing this? So asking questions, communicating, and bringing some things to the table that you want to learn, taking some initiative. Awesome. Wow. Don't be afraid to think outside the box. Yeah. Outside the box. Oh, my goodness. It sounds like you are just like the most awesome clinical education coordinator ever. <laughs> well, thank you. I don't know <laughs> if anyone else shares that <laughs> opinion with you, but I really appreciate that. I do. I love no, my job and I do try to make, I want everybody to be successful, students and preceptors alike. Especially when you were talking about how much thought and, and um, energy you put into trying to make a good match and trying to make sure that your students get what they need from um, their clinical education and from their clinical um education sites like it just seems I mean I mean you can just see how much you care and I mean I know that goes a long way for your students um you know short term and long term like the effort and the thought that you put in to this for them helps them throughout their career and I, I hope they understand that I hope so too maybe not while they are students, but a lot of times people will, you know, I'll run into people at conventions or they'll come back to visit or email and I think that there's a point, it, just like we talked about the point when we were students, like I think there's a point in their career where they realize, oh, there was a reason why I had to do all that stuff for that crazy lady. Like, she was trying to prepare me for the real world as an athletic trainer. It's not just checking a box. Oh my gosh! If you think people think you're a crazy lady, I can't only imagine what they think about me. <laughs> oh man! Oh, it's fun to run into them, like you said, at conferences and and just uh just to see how they're doing and how they come up. And sometimes they they check in with you on social media, and um, you know, you get a lot of uh, you get to follow them in, in their careers and their excitement about the profession. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, thank you so much for, for joining us tonight on our podcast. I think we had a lot of information covered, a lot of jewels dropped. Um, if you, I had, think we nailed it. There we go. We nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. If you, um, if you had one thing that you wanted your listeners to take home, uh, what would it be? What would your overarching message for tonight be? Oh, if it's preceptors listening, I would say we need you. There's a program near you that needs you. And then for students listening, this is your chance to make mistakes. There is a freedom in making mistakes. 
you can move forward from those and still be a great athletic trainer. Awesome. All right. That's why I didn't change my battery after T-shirt. Because <laughs> I want, you know, be okay with making mistakes. It's okay. Right. <laughs> uh, so plug your program. If people wanted to look into George Mason University's, um, so now you're only taking students for the MSAT, correct? That is correct, yes. So if, if they wanted to look you all George up. George Mason University. George Mason University. And, and yes. Um, so you can reach us by email at atep at gmu.edu, A-T-E-P at gmu.edu, or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Mason Atep, M-A-S-O-N-A-T-E-P, hashtag choose Mason. Nice. I got to make sure I follow. I think I follow already. Wow. If not, give us a follow. And that I'm actually the one who runs the social media. So if you send an email to that email address, atep at gmu.edu, or if you, you know, comment or like or follow at Mason Atep, I'm the one who, I'm the one behind that. Awesome. Hmm. So you're getting, Good to know. getting it from one of the top people in the program and one of the most well-respected programs in the country. So there it is. Oh, it doesn't get much you. better than that. It does not get much better than that. Wow. Once again, thank you, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Dr. Lacayo sharing all of that great information. Thank <laughs> you guys so much for having me. Yes, it was awesome. Thank you for taking time out of your evening. Thank you so much. Happy to do it. All right. So, Dr. Valentine, what do we have next week? Um, are um we, are we were going to talk what about we have next week. We're we going to talk about uh, bullying in the <laughs> workplace. Oh, yeah, that should be fun. Yes. So <laughs> conflict, conflict uh, resolution in the workplace. We're going to talk about it, how it starts, how it happens, how to deal with it or how we deal with it. And um, we look forward to your input. If you have um, things that you would like to share or if you have advice or experience with workplace bullying, we'd love to hear about it. Um, you don't have to name names. We can keep you anonymous if you want and just share situations because I think it's important for people to know that they're not the only ones uh, dealing with certain things. It's helpful to know that other people are going through it and other people are surviving. And if they can survive it, then you can too. So if you want to reach out to 100%. us, please follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and um, Twitter at the underscore top underscore DAT or on LinkedIn at top-dat and the number one, that's top-dat1. Or you can email us at top-dat at outlook.com. Uh, we'll be more than glad to keep you anonymous, but uh, if you want to share your story or your information or if you have questions or particular concerns that uh, we can raise on the podcast, we would love to hear from you. So uh, I think that's all we got. Yep, I think that's it. So uh, do we have anything else? Dr. Lacayo, you good? I'm good. Thank you guys again. Oh, thank you. Awesome. So on behalf of our special guest, Dr. Candice Lacayo, I'm the Uplift Athletic Trainer, Dr. Brandon Holland, reminding you that the difference between a good day and a bad day is your outlook. Change your attitude, change your life. 
And I am the unapologetic AT, Dr. Donita Valentine. And I want you to remember that you're doing this all for nothing if you don't stand up for something. Nice. Once again, everybody, thank you for listening. We are so excited to have you back. And we look forward to having you again next week. Peace.